0: Come to this one the second one I am the light of the world and it, it seems to come in many respects out of nowhere you may recall how in John chapter 6 where Jesus says I am the bread of life that came in the context of a miracle a conversation that followed that miracle and words that the uh, leaders of the Jews had with Jesus John chapter 10 uh, has a similar sort of dynamic there's a man who is blind he's healed Uh, by Jesus, which causes a stir to which Jesus then responds with words, including, I am the door, and I am the good shepherd. Which means that his statements in those instances and in others can be understood in the light of the more immediate context. We know what he means when he says, I am the bread of life, because he had just performed a glorious miracle. And he spoke about how God had sent him, his father had sent him, as manna for the people. We know what he means when he says, I am the door of the sheepfold. I am the door to the sheep because it comes in the context of another or a broader setting. But here, out of nowhere, with no warning or context, we hear Jesus say, I am the light of the world. It doesn't come after a speech or a conversation about light, it doesn't come because of some event that seems to to explain it, it just bursts onto the scene out of nothing, out of nowhere. Suddenly there is this light. Which is of course maybe fitting given the testimony and the example of light in Scripture. Light of course is an important theme in God's Word. Light is something we meet at the very outset of the story of life. You'll remember how the very first word that God speaks in the creation week is, let there be light. Let there be light to shine out into the darkness, we read. A light that shines from and in God Himself. That's why we sang from Psalm 27 at the very outset of our service, Jehovah is my light. That light not only is something God creates, something that He sends out into the world, that light we would say is in him it is him he is the light his word is the light isn't that what psalm 119 105 says that very familiar verse in that longest chapter of god's word your word is a lamp unto my feet and a light unto my path indeed when it comes to the very gospel itself the promise of god's salvation isaiah 9 verse 12 tells or two rather tells us That the coming of Jesus would be like the light coming into the darkness. So it's not surprising that the Apostle John, in writing his Gospel account, recounts many references to light. In fact, in the very beginning, in chapter 1, you'll remember in verses 4, 8, 9, John says that Jesus is the light and He came into the darkness, and the darkness did not comprehend Him. And that Jesus shines in their midst. Shines in the midst of darkness. Darkness is of course an important corollary here. Jesus says, I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me will not walk in darkness. Darkness needs to be understood, not just light. Darkness that was there before the light. You'll remember that in the very beginning, it was dark. You'll remember that in the Events just before the finishing moment of God's wrath upon Egypt. That last plague of the firstborn sons. Do you remember what the ninth plague was? It was the plague of darkness. Judgments coming. Indeed, throughout Matthew's Gospel especially, darkness plays a very significant role to describe the judgment of God against sin. You'll remember those parables where People are cast out into the outer darkness where there is weeping and gnashing of teeth. And indeed, that very passage, Isaiah 9, verse 2, where it says that light shone in Jesus Christ. It says it shone into the darkness. Even as Matt or John reminds us, the darkness is sin. So we have in the broader context of Scripture an understanding of what light is, what Jesus Means what Jesus probably means when bursting into the scene, He just says, I am the light of the world. We know from the broader context of Scripture that 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 light is the revelation of God. It is the shining forth of who God is and what He accomplishes by His power. It is the sending forth of God's goodness and grace into this world. That if you want to understand what history is all about, if you want to understand what God is doing, where this world is headed, if you want to understand how to live in the midst of this dark world, then you have to know Jesus. Then you have to know Jesus. That's what this passage teaches us, doesn't it? I am the light of the world. Whoever follows me, will not walk in darkness, but will have the light of life. Those who are born into this world by nature, all of us included, are born into darkness. And we walk in darkness. Walking in the Bible is a way to describe the way that life is experienced and lived. Both in the Christian life and in the unbelieving life, it matters not walking in the scripture is a description of this of getting up in the morning of being married or being single or being at work being a boss being an employee being being well off being poor how do you live your life you're a student how do you walk as a mother how do you walk as a child how do you live your life That's how you walk. Walking is a description of how life is experienced, enjoyed, pursued, how we live it. And by nature, we walk in darkness. We must all acknowledge that. We can demonstrate that, of course, rather simply by pointing out to the world around us and saying, do you not see why this world is in so much trouble? I hope that we do. I hope that when we look around at our culture, And when we hear the thought leaders, when we hear the political leaders of our society, when we hear what they're espousing and their philosophical systems and worldviews, we understand hearing what they have to say, why there is so much trouble, why there is so much despair, why there is so much darkness within our society. Look at our society. Talk to your fellow men. Talk to your fellow worker. See how they're confused. See how they're struggling and stumbling. Listen to the trials they're enduring. And Now think of them in these terms. They're walking in darkness. Maybe you can walk in darkness within your own home. Maybe if you get up at night and and you want to go get a drink from the kitchen, there doesn't need to be a light on. You know where all the furniture is. You can avoid it. Maybe you do stub your toe because that can happen now imagine having to walk in a, a place in a home that isn't familiar to you. Imagine staying over at a friend's house. And now you want to get up and go to the bathroom and it's pitch black out. And you don't know where the chairs are or the tables or anything. You, you're liable to hit your shin. You're liable to stub your toe. You're liable to fall over. And when you do, there causes, that causes pain and discomfort. Now imagine this is not just You going to the bathroom in the dead of night, imagine this is your every day. Imagine you get up every day and you stumble. You think you're using your finances well, but you never seem to get ahead. You think that you're doing a relationship well, but it breaks down in despair and destruction. You think that you know what you're doing. The choices you're making are going to lead to blessing, but the blessing never seems to come. Can you not understand why Jesus describes those who are apart from Him as walking in darkness? But we don't really need even to point to the world. The world is an excellent example of this. But I think that we need to just look in the mirror. Sadly, I think some of us here need to really look in the mirror. Some of us here today are walking in darkness. We're not walking in the light. We're experiencing this struggle. We're facing this challenge and we don't know why we're frustrated we don't know why we're angry we don't know why our lives don't seem to be getting progressive getting ahead we don't know why things aren't going well and we think we know what we're doing and and we think we've got all the answers to everything but we seem to stumble along if that describes your circumstance right now then you are you're in the right place Because this is where Jesus shines the light of His Word. But all of us at some point, I think, can look in the mirror and can recognize that there have been moments, there are moments even in the day, there are times when we make poor choices, selfish choices, when we walk in darkness, when we lose sight of the Lord, when we don't shine the light of His revelation, of His power into our lives, when we walk in those moments of darkness. And when we do, we struggle. Indeed, as a believing community, one of the things that we need to recognize is that it is more tempting for us to do just that. We ought to be as a community grateful for the light of God's grace that is shone into our lives in Jesus Christ. And if we see the light of Christ today, if we see all things in the light of Christ today, if we're excited to receive the bread and the wine because we know what this represents and means for us, then know that You are extremely, eternally and richly blessed. Know that You have come because Jesus Christ shines into your heart. If you can see the beauty and the wonder of life in Christ, if it is your joy to live in His Word and in His way, if His will for your life is right and good, then rejoice For Jesus Christ has dawned upon you. But note that it is always easy for us who have grandparents that have lived this way, great-grandparents who have lived this way, uncles and aunts, cousins, everybody who lives this way, it is easy for us to take this for granted. We get so used to the blessings of life in the light of Christ that we begin to think it's ordinary and normal. In, In fact, we think that we can probably live apart from the light of Christ and still enjoy the benefits of what His light illuminates. We all know, don't we, friends, family members, church members, who have drifted off into the darkness. Maybe not immediately. They played with the darkness. They went into the darkness for a time. Maybe quite literally, how many Times are bad things done at night under the cover of darkness. And maybe their nights were not godly. They weren't illuminated by the Word of Christ. And yet they were confident. They were confident that they could survive, that they could live in the darkness and not be overcome by it. Confident that their relationships could progress. Confident that their businesses could be blessed. Confident that their mental health would be secure. And maybe it is for a time. Because as the sun sets, it doesn't set immediately. The darkness isn't immediate. It is gradual. And so is so often our descent into the darkness of sin. But eventually there comes a time when we cannot see anymore, can't understand why life seems to be so frustrating, so empty, so difficult. And we need to recognize That precisely because of the blessing we've received in Jesus Christ, that He has shone into our world and homes, our lives and hearts. And therefore, we must cling to this light. We must live in the light of this light. That is that we have to embrace this Jesus as the light of our lives. Are you doing that? Are you living your life with Jesus as your light? Think now again. Maybe camping sometime this summer. Maybe cottaging. Maybe you're traveling. We used to as a family go to a cottage and just a kilometer down the way there was a a play area. And so we would go as kids to play there. And we of course would play there as long as we possibly could and eventually the sun would set. Now we had to come back to the cottage in the dark. Through the woods. With all these sounds making noises. It was a little unconcerting. But we had, of course, a flashlight. A bright flashlight that could illuminate the entire area. Is that how we're living in our business? In our relationships? In our, in our cultural engagement? In our thinking? Our emotions? Our physical use of the body God has given us? Are we taking the light of Jesus Christ Are we seeing what He's doing? Where He's leading us? Are we seeing how He scatters the darkness of sin? And are we living in the light of Jesus Christ? To accept Jesus as the light of this world is to accept that we are not. That our wisdom, our skills, our parenting, our business acumen, our political abilities are unable to lead us to the place of peace and security. But that Jesus Christ is the way. The truth and the life. Is that true of you today? Consider how often you are in your Word. How often are you living in the light of His Word? Not not just in terms of time, but how often do the themes, the ideas... The examples and the wisdom of God's Word shape your thoughts and actions, your affections and your plans. How often do you consult that Word in your business dealings, in your relationships, in your worship? Do you say, what does the Lord say before you ask, what do I want? How often do you spend in your Word? Consider how often you spend on social media. If someone were to check your usage on your smartphone, how often would your Bible app have been opened? Again, we don't want to make things superficial. We don't want to make things simplistic. But surely we all ought to recognize in the light of this Word from Jesus Christ that if this is true, if indeed we acknowledge that Jesus is the light of the world and that those who walk In His light, do not walk in darkness, but have the light of life. That means that Jesus needs to be precious to us. His Word needs to be powerful to us. His light needs to shine daily in our lives. Not in some simplistic way. But in a lifestyle way, in an orientation way, in a perspective way, in a persistent way. You need to be able at the end of the day to show that Jesus is your light. How convinced are you? And how does your life demonstrate that Jesus is the light of your world? We can rejoice in the midst of darkness. We do not need to stumble. We do not need to trip and fall. We can live in the sanctifying, in the redeeming, in the gracious, forgiving light of Jesus Christ. But it needs to be precious to us. Some Someone hearing this might say, wait a minute, that's all fine and good. All you're doing is asserting that Jesus is the light, though you're not proving that to be the case. That, you understand, is is a common response to the things of the Gospel in our day. People say, wait a second, wait a second, prove it. That's exactly what the Pharisees do in this text. Their response to Jesus is one that is most intriguing. Jesus says, again, in, apropos of nothing, in the midst of... All of a sudden, uh, darkness, there's light. I am the light of the world, says Jesus. And the Pharisees say, what do you mean? How is that true? Work that out for us. Oh no, they don't say that at all. They say, you are bearing witness about yourself. Your testimony's not true. They don't take issue with the statement itself, the content of it. They don't take issue with what Jesus is saying. They, it, they take issue with Jesus in a technical way. You might say a legal error. You've made a legal error, Jesus. Your your documentation is not in order. We don't have to accept your testimony because you have witnessed to yourself. You can't do that. You're not allowed to be a witness to yourself. And generally speaking, of course, that makes sense, doesn't it? That makes sense. You can't go on the the stand and be both the defendant and the witness. Who says, oh no, I, I, I saw myself not do that? That doesn't work. You can't be the witness for yourself. But of course, Jesus is no ordinary man, is He? Listen to His response and notice very quickly how He points them to the truth of His divinity. In verse 14, He says that, I know who I am. And I know where I come from and where I'm going. He's talking, of course, about His being the very Son of God in the flesh. He is God, the Creator Himself. Surely that's enough to make His words true. Besides which, as verse 15 says, Jesus doesn't use this kind of standard, which the Pharisees use, a standard which is very fleshly, very materialistic. They, they need to see it. They need to touch it. They need to experience it for it to be true. You have to convince me. I need to be made whole i need to be convinced jesus says what do i need to convince you for i'm divine i'm the son of god what i say is true besides says jesus in verse 18 the father confirms what i have said thus there are in fact two witnesses to the truth of jesus as the light of the world jesus himself god the son and god the father who at his baptism you'll remember said this is my beloved son who at the Mount of Transfiguration said, listen to him, who indeed received him through resurrection and ascension into his very presence. God the Father has affirmed for us all that Jesus is, in fact, the light of the world. Indeed, no two better witnesses to this truth can be found, the Son of God and the, and the Father himself. But therein lies the challenge, doesn't it? The Therein lies the problem, and that's what the Pharisees were having to struggle with, is that, as verse 19 reminds us, when you reject Jesus Christ, you reject God Himself. See, the Pharisees didn't want to believe that. The Pharisees wanted to say, oh, no, 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 we follow God. We follow God, Jesus. We're very religious. We worship the Lord in so many very good ways. But you, you, however, we don't accept. And Jesus says, but the Father declares who I am. The Father makes me, or declares that I am the light of the world. And therefore, when you reject my testimony, you reject His. When you reject me, you reject Him. Putting paid to that lie, a common lie also in our context today, that I can be spiritual, but not Christian. That I can be religious, but not organized religion. That sort of thing. No, no, says Jesus. Oh no, this is the very problem with the heart of man, isn't it? The Pharisees make the question of Jesus' confession, of His revelation, one of authority. Jesus says, I am the light of the world. The Pharisees say, says who? And Jesus says, God Himself says. And now they're faced with the challenge. Will they bow the knee? Will they worship before the face of God? Will they accept what Jesus says as true? It's a very common, very real question. It's the question of a playground fight. Sometimes you hear on the playground a child say to another, says who? They've heard a call. They've heard someone say something, but they don't want to accept it. There there is an authority here. I don't need to believe. I don't need to do what you say. You're not the boss of me. Happens a lot in the faith, actually. How many of those that we speak to about the faith spend their time trying to attack the Bible, denying its authority and inspiration, willing to give authority and inspiration to far less reputable sources? but instead saying, oh, no, 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 I'm not going to deal with the call to faith because that call is issued from an authority. Well, this isn't the very Word of God, is it? It can't possibly be. It's the reserve of the weak-minded and rebellious. Instead of dealing with the issue, they pick at the edges hoping to topple the one that they've already rejected. It's not unlike the arguing with conspiracy theorists or flat-earthers. Nothing you say can dissuade them from what they've already accepted as fact. In fact, anything you say is proof that you're part of the problem. How do you then deal in that circumstance with those who reject the very authority of the One who's speaking? How do you deal with people who stand before the God of gods, the Creator of heaven and earth, the light of the world, and say, no, I don't think so? How do you witness to the light of the sun Quite literally, how do you prove that the sun is shining in the sky? On the one hand, of course, you can point out everything that the rays of the sun illuminate. You can even point to that brilliant ball that's transiting the sky each day. You can show people pictures of the sun taken by satellites and telescopes. There is no end of the evidence that you can bring to bear that proves the sun is the light of this world. But then the skeptic says, no, 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 that's not acceptable. All your proof assumes the sun exists. That's not allowed. You cannot use the sun as proof that its light shines in the world. And that, that's exactly what they say about God, by the way. No using Scripture. No using the eyewitnesses of, God's, uh, of, of Christ's re- resurrection. No references to historical evidence that God's work is real and powerful. No pointing out the way that all of creation sings the praise of our God. Oh, no, no, no. You need to prove that God exists without any reference to God Himself. You need other witnesses, objective ones, ones that aren't connected to God. It's like turning the light of the sun off and dropping the world into pitch darkness and then saying to someone, now prove to me that the sun exists. Well, of course, that's not possible. So maybe it's like this. Putting a blindfold on everyone. Plucking out everybody's eyes. And then saying, now prove that the sun exists. In that situation, don't you realize the problem is not with the sun. Nor with its light, nor with its warming rays. The problem is with those who persistently and willfully reject the very thing they see and experience and enjoy. They refuse to bend the knee under the authority of the King. But that's exactly what we're called to do. To reject Jesus is to reject God, for He testifies of Jesus. That Jesus is the light of the world. Which means you cannot accept God without accepting Jesus. You cannot accept God and reject Jesus. There are no other true religions save the one that calls men to bow the knee before Jesus Christ and acknowledge Him as the light of the world. But it means that our faith and our worship of God must always begin with a humble acknowledgement of our frailty. That we come at the very first by saying, Lord, I am small, but You are great. I am weak, but You are strong. I am blind, but You can heal the blind. Lord, work in my life. We don't stand in judgment on the Lord. We don't stand off and say to God, prove it. No, we come in worship. We come to say, as we did with the psalmist, O God, in Your light, we see light. That's what we need to do as we come now to the table of our Lord. We need to come to this place and to this food that the Lord gives humbly. We need to come bowing the knee saying, Lord, feed my soul. Not coming arrogantly. Not coming with superstition or custom, mere custom in our hearts. But we need to come to this table and we need to say, Lord, shine in my life. Let Your fountains flow in me. We need to bow. And then we need to believe. We need to accept the truth of who Jesus is. We need to surrender all to Jesus. And we need to walk in His light. Let's ask the Lord for help in that in prayer. Gracious God and Heavenly Father, we thank You for the light that shines in Your Word. We thank You for the light that has shone in this service. May that light illumine our hearts. Those that are walking in darkness, Lord, may they turn to the light, bend the knee, bow before You, and cry out, Have mercy upon me, a sinner. And to those, Lord, that are walking in the light, may we persist in this journey of faith. Help us to turn neither to the right nor to the left. But help us, Lord, to believe. No matter what the world says, help us to believe that Jesus is the light of the world. It's in His name we pray. Amen.